What's the secret? So the secret to the Just for Men beard dye, not that I use it because I don't have a beard. Maybe I have once or twice in the past. <laughs> it's once or twice. Is you, you can't just dye your beard like you dye your hair. You got to just every couple of days, just put a couple of little things in three, four minutes, get in the shower, wash it out. And then it becomes not one, one cohesive color. It becomes what a normal beard would look like, which is natural. All right. Put it this right. way. I was putting some dye in my beard for like a, a year. Yeah. And no one knew, including Leslie. She had no idea. No way. Wow. Well, I've never dyed my beard, so I'm going to try that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I see that white coming in the top. It's always when the white comes in right at the top. That I know. I know. Usually, I mean, usually my strategy is to be kind of messy about it so it looks like it's not full, you know? Because if it's completely black, then it's like, okay, that's obviously You have to trust me on right? this one. I'm yeah. teaching you the thing. Yeah. Well, you're Indian. Indians can dye their hair and it kind of works because yeah. you can well, have jet black full, hair. Full black hair. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. When people of my complexion dye their hair, unless you go to like a place in New York and pay 300 bucks. Like right. We can tell, it's Dr. Pe it looks like Dr. Pepper from a mile <laughs> away. Everyone can see that like kind of ready Brown, whatever it is. Color. It's a not good. Right. That's why I don't dye my hair. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm I see gonna you have a statue advice. of the Virgin Mary behind you. I do. I do. This is uh, your sister's. <laughs> She's had it for a long, since I've known her. <laughs> That's actually from, I think, when we were kids. Now, do your, when your children see that, are they like, who's that? So when we lived in Carroll Gardens, yeah. uh, we would, you know, walk to school, obviously. And yeah. Kieran would always mm. say, of course, man, dad, they really love that lady here. <laughs> they love that lady. <laughs> that's because of the Marys on the half shells is what they're called. Everywhere. Everywhere. Did you know that artists. that's what they're called? On the half shell, yeah. I did marry on the half that. shell. That's what they're called because it's like a, it's like a, a oyster, yeah, or a yeah. clam. <laughs> That's the name, anyway. You had one in your front yard. It wasn't. It was my landlord. Yeah, but I Ruggiero's, mean, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And God exactly. forbid you touched it. it you yeah, know, I had like Christmas lights wrapped around it that didn't right. work, and you know, <laughs> I don't know. It was, in that neighborhood, there's something kind of nice about all the statues of Mary everywhere. I it it gives it a character, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Did you, ever, did, cool. did you ever see when they did the procession with the 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 saint of the neighborhood? Of course. The yeah, they yeah. would go past my house. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like straight out of Godfather 2, right? Like dollar bills on the saint, old yeah. guys holding up the saint. Yeah. And don't look them in the eye because they look pretty angry about it for some reason. I don't know Indeed. why, but yeah. yeah. It's very special. Everybody feels very, you know, people that are religious, they feel... Extra connected on in church on Sundays and, and holidays. It's like they they feel something, yeah, you know. Right. I always appreciated religion, especially Catholics. I grew up with. They always on Sundays were they really felt close to God on that hour of church. Right. Never felt it. Cursed. <laughs> <laughs> you were just like envious. Every Sunday was about you being envious of other people's feelings. No Sunday going to church for me was just a vehicle to pancakes yeah right that's all it was for me is right. okay one hour of suffrage for <laughs> eggs bacon and pancakes and i think it's a fair shake okay yeah that's it's not bad me. actually no it's great yeah, i yeah. would do it now someone yeah. to say hey i'm gonna take you to a beautiful breakfast and pay for the whole thing you just gotta quickly spend an hour listening yeah. to people chant i being, would go cool yeah being i liked enough, the um you are. 
Yeah, I always like the incense and the organ in church. That's kind of yeah. cool. I'd still do yeah. that. Okay. Anyway. All right. Well, uh, we got a lot to talk about, so we should I'm sure we get started. Okay. This is No Politics at the Dinner Table. I'm Tony Biancasino. And I'm Amit Prakash. This week, we're talking about the ongoing war in Ukraine um, yeah. and the American response to it. And one way to get to that is to talk about the State of the Union, where Biden's been, you know, talked about it at length. So let's get to it. Okay. All right. Have you been, um, probably, you probably haven't, but I've still been glued to the 24-hour coverage of the invasion of of the ukrainian people's uh democratic democratic elected country yeah i mean i've been glued in so far as i'm trying to read as much as i can about it i I put on the tv a little bit and it's i don't know i find it like a little crass uh it's it's like uh a lot of it especially like the big um cable networks not oh, so much no, like you NBC and stuff like that but like msnbc oh you can't touch it and all that it's entertainment you know yes it's, it's they love it they love it and they've got an exclusive in this one building and and it's like yeah it's it's <laughs> you know it's really gross actually so so i'm trying to stay away from that but yeah I, i'm i mean i'm it's hard not to I'm pay glued to the alerts on my phone from the times and other places yeah yeah, I actually think the New York Times has done a pretty good job, um, you know, of like the up to date coverage. They're, it's one is their app is I don't have the app on my phone, but like I'll I'll go to the URL on my phone, mm. and it's just like they've just turned into like kind of like the coolest digital media uh, newspaper ever. Their app is just insanity. It's pretty pretty amazing. Um, during election time too, when they I know all the the data analysis maps and stuff like that. I just that. hate their I, you know what I hate is I hate their correspondence. That's my problem at the time. It's like mm. they I just like there's not a lot of people I like that are like their weekly uh you know essay oh their opinion writers well those are terrible but yeah. just even like their people like honestly like Frank Bruni I'm good dude like oh yeah like, yeah 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 like these these like centrist centrist Democrats that like are, represent kind of the voice of the paper i just very like they kind of nauseate me the the op-ed section has deteriorated a lot uh over the years and it's cable news really yeah it's it's they're they're in i don't know they're in like a twitter universe and they're trying to like respond to that but also while trying to keep up the mantle of the seriousness of the times totally and it doesn't work um and the other thing is, is like their their takes are so boring and conventional that it's like, mm, you know, the, the Times all week has been like, here are four Times columnists. I've read those. The I, war. I was I like, I, this is I nothing. Know. This is just a bunch of basically agreeing on everything. And yeah, it's know, like well, the fact that NATO seems... is not more armed to the teeth, right? That, that's, yeah, that's it's like it really thing. seems like yeah. Putin doesn't have a plan B, and it's yeah. like yeah, we get it, guys. <laughs> we we could my my you know my my your kids could come up with that. It's right. There's exactly. no like there's nothing. You're not learning anything. You're just no. hearing like kind of like old gossips to sit around the table with tea yeah. talking shit. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not that good. They would they would do better actually to do a couple of the things that been they've been doing this week was just allowing, you know people from Ukraine to just write in 
and just 100%. giving them the page, you know, yes. let them speak. Um, yes. And Russians, for that matter, as well. You know, all the people actually involved, um, yep. if they just, you know, had, uh, you know, the mouthpiece of the times, that would yep. be nice. Um, so today I figured, you know, we could talk, you know, we can kind of blend it because Ukraine came up right away, like the first third of the whole State of the Union. I don't know if people watched it the other night, but Tuesday night was the State of the Union. Um uh, three things I really want to talk about with the State of the Union, but I'm sure there's a whole bunch. Like one thing, like there's two ways about it is like one is like what he did talk about and then all the things that were left out, right? And then obviously, you know, it's an hour long speech, so it's long to begin with and it's often just a laundry list. And you, as you're watching it, you can kind of wonder like, why am I watching this? You know, like what what, what is the point of this? And it's basically just to like, announce the priorities of this administration, whether they get them or not. Yeah. Um, and so maybe we could, or at least I would like to talk about what was not talked about, like, you know, what was absent. Yeah. Um, but let's also set, let's set up the state of the union for what it really is, right? It's a pitch for the next election. It's not mm -hmm. really a, it's, it's, it's a president's opportunity to try to gain voters that they don't already have. That's, that's kind of what it is. Yeah, I would say so. And especially when there's the midterms coming up, that's, 100%. that's certainly he's teeing up um, why you might want to go Democratic rather than Republican. Which is a good segue into what wasn't covered. Yeah. And, yeah, and then yeah. we'll get into the reasons yeah. why. Yeah, absolutely political. Um, you know, and so one of the things that I found um, interesting was that there was no mention um, of the, the words build back better at all, right? So that there's basically been an abandonment of that pretty broad package of social policy um, that Oh, Biden ran on, B Biden ran on, and, you know, I just said, oh, Biden, um, <laughs> Obama, Biden, you know, um, and so that was telling, I thought, because the number one thing that all the polls are saying um, is that inflation is the number one thing that Americans are caring about right now. You know, Ukraine even is like, like way down on, on what Americans actually care about is it's pocketbook stuff, which is, you know, usually the case. Um, and he could have made the pitch that that vast social policy program would have massive deflationary pressure. Right. right. So like, you know, you could abide by inflation if your prescription drug costs were going down, you could abide by that, uh, if you had, um, childcare paid for. Right. You know, so like there could have been a way to say, you know, we, we have this real problem that everybody knows about, which is inflation. And his response was, you know, companies cut costs, you know, don't don't take it on your laborers, cut costs. But of course, the way companies cut costs is to decrease the price of labor. Right. That's one of their costs. Um, so I thought that was like a huge gaping hole um, and uh, kind of tells you that there, you know, Joe Manchin has won. Um, he was sitting on the Republican side of the aisle, which I thought I was that. significant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, completely stern the whole time. And uh, that he's defeated the administration and the Congress, right? Like right now, 
there's this small moment where you got the Democratic president and a Democratic House and Senate, and they still can't do it. Right. So I thought it was. They don't really have it. They don't have it. They do and they don't. Right. They don't. They don't. They have two people that are 100% Republicans. They're not Democrats. They're not willing to. Look, if it was the other way around, the Republicans would be ruthless enough and threaten so much to get their guys in line. And they would get in line and they'd get the votes done. The Democrats are not ruthless, right? And they, they, they would have done something really punishing. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have get, get them off committees. They would do all sorts of things to say, okay, you, you, you want to vote that way? You're going to be nothing now, right? Yeah. You're going to be nothing to the party. You can be a senator. You can have a vote, but you're not going to have any real power. Sure. Republicans would have done that in a second, right? They, they, they have all sorts of loyalty tests that they use. Um, so that's what I thought. It was basically um, a signal by, by virtue of absence, absence of Build Back Better as a phrase even. It was a signal that that agenda is basically lost. Now, even though he said a bunch of other stuff like, you know, in, in, in piecemeal, like all those things, um, it's it's dead in the water right mm-hmm. so i thought that was that was pretty big mm-hmm. um the other thing um and I, we can and that was like the biggest thing i th- i thought that was it was absent the you things mean, yeah were, of course his big huge bill he didn't mention yeah i mean and parts of you know parts of that was also you know like the campaign promise of student debt relief right of you know even when people were saying everything he was saying oh, i'll give you 10,000 now it's nothing Right. Um, so that was not even mentioned. Um, so, uh, and this is nothing new. People campaign on things and then don't do things. Um, you know, read my lips, no new taxes. Right. Like we, we know this happens. Right. But, but that being said, there was not even a gesture to, um, you know, major elements that got him elected to say why, you know, we've got these other priorities and, you know, we will get to that or some, some, some sort of nod. It was just like, we're not even going to talk about that anymore. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's just done. Um, so I thought that was kind of depressing. Um, and then in terms of like what was in there, I had three things I want to talk about, but I was wondering if you had any, like just straight up reactions to, to what you thought may, maybe could have been in there that wasn't in there. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that State of the Union speech was kind of the Democrats accepting that they're not as good at Republicans of spinning. I think that's what it was. I th- I think it was a bit of a, a white flag. It's it's mm-hmm. trying to unite, which it's not going to work. I mean, if we haven't learned that from Obama, you know, Trump didn't try to unite anybody, and it worked pretty well. Um, I, I stand by if he would have said COVID was a real threat and like just right away attacked it, he would be our president today. Sure. And I think that's where he screwed up. Um, so you can see the centrist Democrats really trying to distance themselves from the uh, more progressives. And that's what I really took away from this. You know, the whole more cops, better training, things that statistically have nothing to do with saving lives or anything. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's, you know, Vitaly's book who we mm-hmm. had on, I mean, it, you can read that and everything Biden said about police have literally been proven that they don't work. Yep. Um, so they're going back to that, trying to distance themselves from the, the Sanders, the AOCs, um, 
that kind of stuff, which I don't necessarily know is not smart. I mean, I think the 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 Republicans are doing such a good job at like brand, using things to brand Democrats as like these irrational, crazy people that they don't seem to have the weapons to fight back. So it seems like the only thing they could do is distance themselves. Although, if you look at what happened in Texas in the early primaries, Republicans sweepingly had more people come out to vote for their candidates than mm -hmm. Democrats. And the Democrats that won or might win are Democratic Socialists. Yeah. So, this is narrow you know, right? Yeah. right. And that's in yeah. Texas. So that to me is a pretty good indication of what I think could happen in November. Um, I don't think anybody thought Abbott wasn't going to be the candidate again, and nor do I believe Beto O'Rourke can beat him. I actually think he won't beat him. No, no. Um, but it shows you that even in Texas, the divide is not between centrists and Republicans. It's the real divide in, in that I believe is it will take more time is that there's going to be a, more and more people that are going to go hard left, hard right. And I think within that, I would consider myself hard left, but I, there's plenty of things I, sh views I share with Republican viewers or voters. Like they're, we're not, we're not that much unalike. We just socially and like, you know, like I, I really care about taking care of people and I care about healthcare, education, infrastructure, things that I think make us all better and more rich in the long run, whatever. But I think my big takeaway was a clear shots fired at the, let's call it squad of the party, mm -hmm. uh, specifically with the, we can't defund the police. We need to fund the police. I thought that was a very, very um, blatant distancing of, of himself from them. And before I let you jump in, we'll remember that in November. Yeah. We'll remember that in four years. Yeah. Because um, you could say you could tackle crime without basically firing shots at the Sanders section of the party. There's plenty of ways. And I, I don't disagree. Like, there's a problem. Like, we have a problem with crime. Obviously, it's not as simple as put more cops on the street. We've done that. That doesn't. Sure. And then we have more people locked up and we can have that conversation. But that doesn't really solve the, the reason why there's all this crime. Right. The reason we have this crime is because of, of, of gaps in wealth and the poor are getting poorer and the rich are getting richer. And the when poor people get poorer and poorer, yeah, bad things happen. Yeah. And, and, you know, and like, as people get richer, they also commit crimes. They just don't get prosecuted. 100%. Right? You know, so, 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 you know, there's, there's no cops for that. You know? Yeah. I mean, they're, they become too big to prosecute as the justice department has literally said. Yes. Um, so, so that was one of the, certainly one of the things that I noticed was that an abandonment of any radical change on policing. Right. So it wasn't it wasn't like, OK, fund the police and we're going to do X, Y, Z. It was just give throw money at them. Right. Um, and yeah, that was what he said. Give yeah. More he was money. like, yeah, he was like, no, we don't want to defund. We want to fund the police, fund the police. Fund. And he got cheers across the board for that. Of course. Um, and so I don't know if you watched. uh uh, Rashida Tlaib's response um, from the Working Family Party response. Oh, I love. Yeah, and hers was like, you know, her that's the squad, right? She's a squad member, and hers was basically like the police 
forget, you know, even defunding them, they need to evaporate. They are the problem. They have been proven to be the problem. They escalate things. They don't deescalate things. They make matters worse. Um, that, you know, violent solutions to social problems is not a good solution. Um, and you know, I think, you know, we're broadly in agreement with that in terms of politics, right? That what's, what's going to land with people who even bother to follow this stuff and the sound bites that will emerge from it. Um, it's interesting, you know, I think basically in 2020, there was a moment after the murder of George Floyd for about six months where radical ideas were being aired and there was an air of possibility for them being actually implemented, right? That, that this, that, that this violence was so extreme, so premeditated, so disgusting, really, um, that people were willing to sort of think about radical changes and effectively, you know, the, there was attempts at that. There was some attempts in Austin. Um, there was attempts at that in Minneapolis where they, you know, defunded the police and then, then all the progressives refunded the police in the, in, in their town council, uh, or their their city council. Um, and so, you know, it didn't work out well. And so what, ended up happening is that you had some examples of defunding that kind of blew up in, in their faces. That's right? because they were, they were, it's not instant coffee, dude. Exactly. Exactly. It was, they, it was it's it like, was, Oh look, we tried it three months. It didn't work. It, was, it was automatic. And you know, there was, there was a revolt by the police unions and you know, there's a lot, and it, it wasn't like a sort of um, staged um, and very deliberate process. It was sort of an overnight thing and it didn't work. Right. And so, you know, on on paper and in reality, it really did not work. Now, whether that is a forecast to whether, you know, defunding would work in the future, I don't think that's true if it's done in sort of systematically with like everybody involved. But that being said, I think the moment has passed, the political moment of sort of possibility has kind of passed. Mm-hmm. And the response has been, you know, the fact that Joe Biden's president is a pretty clear example as well, um, that the Democratic electorate is much more conservative um, than we would like to think. Um, and, and, and particularly um, minority voters within that you know, racial minorities within that electorate are also tracking a little bit more conservative um, than than many people would like to think. Certainly, you know, democratic socialists would like to think. So, but, on the one hand, I yeah. I understand why he said that. I also hate that he did it because it's 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 basically just pandering, right? It's 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 basically saying this is a problem. It's going to stay a problem. We're just going to keep on throwing money at the police. Right. The, well, the police, you know, it's well, it's not, he's it's trying not gonna... to he's trying to take away weapons for when he runs again. That's what this mm-hmm. is. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I actually bet you in private Joe Biden knows there's a problem with policing in this country. I don't I don't believe he is that ignorant to think more cops means, you know, the problems go away. I think the Re- Republicans are so good at using everything that any part of our party says against the, the, the sum of the whole party, which 
we haven't been able to do with them with Trump. It's really odd, even though that's like it doesn't get it's not more of a gift than that. Like Trump's the ultimate gift for taking down a party. And the only people taking down the Republicans are from within. It has nothing to do with Democrats. It's it's the battle of it. Are we sticking with Trump or are we going to get crazier? I think it's largely due to the fact that the Republicans a long time ago, um, really in the in the 90s, frame the debate of the media as liberal media, right? Mm -hmm. So that anything that's coming out of the media that's saying, you know, the Republicans said this, they did this, you know, it's, you know, perhaps pretty bad for X, Y, Z factual reasons. They have just painted as, you know, that's liberal spin, right? Kind um, of. And so, and so any, anytime there is even a democratic critique that might have some teeth to it, the minute it's put out by CNN or the New York Times and so, you know, the, the, the failing New York Times, right? Um, then it's, it's just, it's already sort of corrupt, right? Like I disagree. You disagree? Okay, why? You had Obama win two times, right? And there were plenty of people that voted for Obama that voted for Trump. These are not people who in the 90s started to believe all media was liberal. I'm, I believe that's true. One is, I think that's actually true. I think most media leans liberal in their voting. That doesn't mean that they don't love capitalism and stocks and not paying their fair share. But I bet you that most people, and I work in media, lean liberal. So I don't think it's like necessarily that wrong of a of a of a characterization. The problem is that they don't do anything when they have power, right? When Obama came in and they had the majority, he's doing what Joe Biden's doing now, which is we're going to reach over the aisle. We're going to try to. Meanwhile, and look, we're not Bill Clinton fans on this podcast nor are we bush one or two fans they tortured clinton you know like anything he did trying to impede they 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 never play fair and we had bush in there who started 20 over two decade illegal literally a fake war and we they still praise him still the democrats like well even george bush he's on msnbc he's calling in like that's it's that's the problem is the normalization of the radical right. I don't think it's the branding of the left media. It's the fact that like we don't make enemies out of any of them. I guarantee you if Donald Trump wanted to come on CNN, they probably have him. Oh, oh they would love to have him. They would love to have Bush him. on there. I mean, it's the same person. CNN, I mean, look, we CNN are, made Donald Trump. <laughs> look, the liberal media, quote unquote, is literally toting around uh, uh, Liz Cheney like she's a rational human being. This is a monster. This is a woman who is from the same family that still today is totally cool with torturing prisoners. And she, their part, this is the Lincoln, the Lincoln party, which are the biggest cronies out there, Steve Schmidt and these other idiots that are responsible, if you will, for Sarah Palin, who, if you don't think there's a direct link between Sarah Palin and the rise of Trump, then don't, don't talk politics with anyone. Cause you're going to look like a buffoon. Yeah. They normalized this. They took John McCain, who was actually a credible candidate as a Republican. It's like, I don't agree. I didn't agree with a lot of his stuff, but that's a fair game earned right to be president. And they thought, you know, well, Dale, we'll put him with a lunatic. That'll get the loonies out, the tea party, crazy people to vote for you. And they gave legitimacy to nutcases. So 
you know, they would have Sarah playing on tomorrow. They have uh, uh, Steve Schmidt on MSNBC during elections. Like it's the, the left's own fault for where the state of their party is today. I, I totally, Sorry for my rant. No, no, I agree with that. I agree with 100% of that. That's but just stop. The, we got to stop blaming the right. That's, it's, that's the reality, right? That's yeah. the reality of it is that actually people who were ostensibly opponents yesterday are friends this day because the right has lurched further right and further kind of extreme. Um, and you know, suddenly Liz Cheney is an, a great American hero, right? Um, Mitt Romney, so, Mitt yeah, Romney looks, right. by the way, let me just say, I would take Mitt Romney over a lot of these Republicans. I, I would sure. love for him I, if I had to do it for sure, but he's a crazy person. Yeah, I mean, exactly. These are nutcases who exactly. now we're just suddenly, I don't know. It's just, but here's, <laughs> here's my big, but right. That what you just des- described is reality. Right. And that's that's the reality of it. I'm talking about the perception and the perception that a lot of um, the American public. And I think it used to be just the right. But I think broadly now is that the quote unquote mainstream media, even though Fox likes to tout and is the number one cable news channel um, and is somehow not part of this mainstream media, um, is liberal. Right. And therefore, anything that's coming out of them is sort of compromised. And I think so, that's true. And so, well, I don't know about that. I mean, that I, is if, true. If, if, I don't, How is that not true? Well, how's that not think, true? Ev- do you think every report, then it's no point in reading something like The Guardian or The, or the Times or anything like that? Because if you don't no, believe those no, publications lean left and also centrist left, then we just disagree. No, no, no. That's the difference there is that the personal politics of a beat reporter, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody who covers national security, right? And say, 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 you know, there's a plenty of them, right? Um, I'm not talking about the opinion page. I'm talking about the reporters. I understand. Right? So w- those who cover politics, it's pretty clear, right? That, that you can, you can detect, um, some, you know, the way they phrase things and, and, and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty clear. But if it's the case that every single mainstream publication is basically just um, a liberal rag um, that is really just an ideological instrument and has no sort of value beyond that, then I don't think there's any point in actually reading this stuff, right? And I happen to believe that Yes, there's liberal leanings and all reporters are human beings and, you know, they have, they, you know, certain stuff may come out every now and then, but most good reporters are trying to, are trying to do the sort of ideal of like just the facts, right? That does not always carry, I think, and cannot carry in the form of TV news because that's a very sort of different form because it's really just entertainment and also because it's 24 seven. Um, but in Here's terms what I'm going like, to say. Yeah. Here's here's my here is my very general rebut to that. Mm-hmm. I now live in Louisiana. The way the New York Times covers the the South is laughable. Well, they don't They'll cover be, the South. Yeah, they they dip in for a week and say, "Look at these guys." And then they so, leave. what I'm trying to tell yeah. you is that in itself is left leaning. The, the the New York Times will have 
five pages of parties in the Hamptons with white, horrible people. There's plenty of stuff going on in the South and in communities of color that unless it is uber liberal where it's about transgender athletes or something that's buzzy and crazy, um, it's no coverage. They'll be here for hurricanes. They'll be here for Mardi Gras and a couple, you know, good police shootings once in a while, but they're not here. And so I find it completely reasonable that people that are not covered by these, what you're calling mainstream media that's being liberals liberal would, would think that because it's true. I'm not saying that the the New York Times editorial board is in a giant boardroom like in Batman and they're like, no, we can't do that. It's too right. It's too right. I just think it's an, it's humanly impossible for them to distinguish between where they gear the paper, where they steer the paper and the, you know, unbiased journalism. And you can see that mo- most evident when they, when they, um, when, 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 Clinton and Trump were running and they endorsed Clinton. That was an opportunity for them to say, we're not endorsing because they were both very problematic. And if you, if you're someone who is a never Hillary person, which I can raise my hand, it's pretty, it's, it's a little ridiculous that, you know, even, even the primaries, they, they, they said her over Sanders. So I don't know, like it feels from, down here and from where I sit politically and ideologically that they do seem, the New York times seems to me like a center left publication that does a very good job at trying not to be. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I don't mean that for all the freelance journal journalists out there. I'm not saying everybody that's ever been published is that I just think overwhelmingly what they decide to publish has a little bit of a theme to it. Yeah, no, I think that's true, right? I mean, it's it's a publication read by, reported by, and for elites, right? You know, sure. Like, but it's like, a paper of records. It's, it's national elites, right? And yes. so, so for national elites, they don't care about um, regional issues, right? And that's that's why the number one thing that if we're talking about, we just got on this whole press thing, but I think it's it's it's, it's fine. <laughs> it, it is it is actually it is important. The number one thing that is such a problem right now is the collapse of local press, right? Mm. I think I think that's literally if you addressed that, if 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 there was just a ton of money flooded into local press coverage, you know, and not the New York Times having an office here, but actual local organs, right? You yeah. know, like the, the Times Picky Unit, you know, your your place, they're sure. all online now. You know, oh, there used to be like a really good newspaper, right? Yes. And yes. and so like. All these things like are collapsing, right? So, so in defense of the New York Times, right? They are the New York Times, so they're going to care about the Hamptons and not necessarily about, you know, always the Ninth Ward or whatever. So, like we can say, like, okay, they are like they're a national newspaper, but they also have, you know, the, the Metro section and it's like New York stuff, New York focus, which is which is fine. It's basically saying New York is the cultural capital, and it kind of is. Um, Don't and, disagree, right? And so, so there's that. Although. Eh, that's kind of changed but when anyway. they, when they, yeah, I mean, it's scattered, yeah, but, but, definitely. but, um, but when they endorse somebody, right, this is something completely different. This is when they're saying we're going to put our politics out there. Right. But in general, like if there is a report that says the Bush administration has been secretly wiretapping, um, sure. all Americans, that's reported. Right? I don't think that's like a liberal, whatever, right. That that's like, that's a fact 
that the government did and the New York Times got the scoop, right? And and their reporters um, were able to sort of get that out, right? Sure. And if that's the case, my point is that it's come to be the point where something like that can come out now and the right is so good at saying, well, it's coming from the New York Times. Are you going to believe them? You know, like, like it's, you know, it, that, that's, that's been the transformation and it's a masterful one and it's taken a few decades, but at this point it's like anything that's coming out of that, that's even mildly critical of the right is like, are you really going to believe this crap? Right. Because it's coming from this mouthpiece. It's not right? relatable. It's the same with the Democrats that they always seem to put up to be our presidents. <laughs> These are not relatable people. The paper, and, and I'm a New York Times reader. I'm mm -hmm. not sitting here like they're, it's propaganda. I agree with everything you said. But at this point in time where we're no longer, most of us, getting the hard paper on Sundays and reading it, if you think the New York Times is not, just for New, New York elites now, then therein lies the problem. They're the paper of record and still haven't gotten the memo. So I... There, I can't tell you how many times I start to read an article and it's too New York Timesy for me, and I stop reading. <laughs> you know that voice that they yeah. probably filter, and it's I stop reading. I would say more than fifty to sixty percent of the articles. I think you're right. Like when they get an inside thing about you know Flynn or or something going on in Iraq, I think that's good reporting, and that's what I meant by I didn't want to offend yeah. journalists that are risking their lives to get great stuff. That's that's the best part of the New York Times. The rest of it is absolute. And by the way, they're now a media company that bought the likes of Serial of, of This American Life that has shows on Netflix. So like now you're fair game. You're no longer a paper reporting. You're a media company that is, no matter what you call yourself, driving major profit, far from failing. Um, and I actually, as someone in media, think they do a ridiculously good job of it. I think their graphics are the best. I think their charts, the things that zoom out when you're reading, it's like, it's a different world. But the point is, the illusion that it, which I think is not an illusion, that it leans left. If you leave what you just said, which is that New York area, yeah, fair game. I believe I believe it's reasonable to to not trust them based off the decisions they make that aren't news. Mm -hmm. There, that's my point. That's fair. That's fair, right? All, I mean, every... let me see a gala in St. Louis. Why does yeah. it have to be the Hamptons? Cover, <laughs> cover. <laughs> they could even be rich people. Yeah, like because let they me don't see care. something. They don't. They care. don't care. Right? They so don't that care. you can't yeah, have yeah. a cake and eat it too. Yeah, you can't, they don't care. Yeah, you can't. You can't be shocked that yeah. people don't trust you. While I got to see. Uh, I don't know. There's something the other day about what Maggie Gyllenhaal. I don't give a fuck about Maggie Gyllenhaal. Get her out of the paper. I don't care. I don't yeah. care. It's yeah. a celebrity, you know, uh, driven paper that is slightly better than tab tabloids when it comes to some of that stuff. A Q and A so, with Ben Stiller about. I don't. That, I, why is that in here? So I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree with you. So like, here's here's like the spectrum of the New York, and then we need to move on. No. But <laughs> the, the spectrum of the New York Times. The New York Times at its greatest is discovering that when the Pentagon says they had a drone strike that killed a bunch of um, uh, people who killed American soldiers, they find out it's actually an Afghani family. 100%. Right? Right? That was, and, that was right? the best and, version. And that's like, that is what journalism is supposed to be. And, 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 and the Pentagon then has to 
lies again and then has to backtrack and then apologize and the whole thing happens right and like that's exactly what they're supposed to be doing i agree with and it's like i was like jumping for joy when i saw that i was like this is what it's supposed to be we both were i agree and then the worst of it is that when i don't know if you saw this was they had a whole report on people who bought pandemic homes and then were regretful about oh my god did you okay so the woman the woman to punch everybody. They were talking about this woman who called herself "quote unquote" house poor because you know when she used to have this <laughs> small two bedroom apartment in the Upper West Side, um, you know she used to like I want pasta and I would fly to Rome for three days. I used to do that thing, quote right. unquote, right? Um, like that's a thing. Um, and she's now house poor because she was able to buy you know one point four million dollar house. I know. And she can't like now fly to Rome. I she know. can't now fly to Rome when she has a pasta hankering, and and we're supposed to relate to that, right? Um, like that. This is you're making my point. That's what I'm saying. That's the spectrum of the New York Times. How can right? you like, have yeah. that in there? How did that get approved? <laughs> and then you expect people in I don't know Mississippi Anywhere. to relate to your effing paper in They're the Bronx, gonna, right? In the Bronx. They're never going to give the wonderful reporting on the drone strikes a chance when that's on your, that was on the front. If you opened up the URL on your phone, that was like one of the top things right under the Ukraine war. And it's like, Oh, rich people are pissed. They bought houses upstate for twice as much as they were supposed to be. No shit. I don't care. <laughs> So that's the times. All right. So um, anyway, let's move on. This is a love it or hate it. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other two things that I, you know, he said a lot in that, in that state of the union. And then two things that I thought were important were obviously that first third, which was about Ukraine. Right. Mm-hmm. And the whole argument about the reinforcement of NATO and so on. And that got, you know, broad applause from both sides of the aisle and so on. Um, and like, I'm on, I'm kind of ambivalent about this. Um, on the one hand, it's like NATO has expanded and I don't think it should have expanded, but now that it has expanded, um, it kind of only makes sense that he would come to that position, right? That you have to reinforce it because then if you're just going to like hang them, hang out, say the Baltic States out to dry, um, then what's the point of NATO, right? Like that, then, and which is something that should have been visited <laughs> and was asked to be visited in the 1990s, right? I think NATO shouldn't actually exist anymore, but it does exist and it's very expansive. So, so this is kind of the, the military complex that American foreign policy has produced in the post-Cold War period. And if they don't guarantee it now, they're going to look very weak, especially in light of the Russian attack on Ukraine, right? So like he's, it's it's kind of like a no-brainer position. So I understand why he's there. It's just that right now in the post-Cold War period, we're at the dawn of another Cold War, right? So what could have been a period of like amicable peace and sort of figuring out real peaceful coexistence and so on by these nuclear superpowers armed to the teeth, instead, you know, 30 odd years after the Cold War, we're back to the Cold War. Um, which 
in my mind, is terrible foreign policy. <laughs> it's just it's like this is like the worst of all possible outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we might have World War III, right? Great. Um, and so the reinforcement of NATO makes sense. Um, if anything, you know, it's just 3,000 troops that they're sending there right now. Um, it's just a, a sort of psychological reassurance to NATO allies and some sort of reassurance to the Ukrainians. But he also said that, you know, no troops to Ukraine. Right. Like he was very clear about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I happen to agree with all that. You know, I, I, I agree with it. I agree with all of those positions in like a circuitous way, but I do end up agreeing with it. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I'm not willing to fight myself. So that's always my stance when it comes to um, us going places. If I'm not willing to arm up and go myself, then I need to take a step back and think, well, there's got to be another way. I am completely inspired by the Ukrainians that are taking up arms and fighting, which I would do if people came here and tried to invade us. I would have no problem doing that. Um, But I can't help but to be really frustrated because what you're alluding to, this is not something that just happened. Yeah. Right. This is years in the making. This is multiple presidencies. Um, And that's the hard part for me is that, you know, the options are quite limited right now. Obviously, the sanctions are going to cripple the economy in Russia, but a lot of really good Russians are going to suffer. You know, there's no the the idea that it's Russia. It's Russia. Like, I, I want people to remember that, like, I would I would venture to say the vast majority of Russians are decent people, right? The vast majority of Americans are decent people. Our government's pain in the ass sometimes and does some questionable stuff. Um, but sanctions on Russia is not just going to hurt, actually probably not going to hurt Vladimir Putin. It's going to cripple a lot of people and people are going to starve and they're going to have it they're going to have a, a pretty tough time. And, and it's not as easy as like, well, overthrow the government. It's really tough. So it's, I'm frustrated. Um, I'm pissed, but I thought Biden, I, I still think Biden is doing a good job in response to what's going on, being that he's been in office for two years. Mm-hmm. I think I don't have a lot of critique over how he's handling this. I loved that they leaked all the intelligence. I thought it was a very good move. I love that they kept getting ahead of it. They knew it was going to happen and they kept getting ahead of it. Um, And even in um, the Ukrainian president's, uh, one of his speeches, not speeches, but uh, interviews the other day, they asked him about that. And he said, look, we still, we kind of knew, but we had to still keep playing that like it's not going to happen because that was all we had. Like Mm -hmm. we needed to, but, you know, I think that's all helped unite whatever can be united in this country. I, I think most people that are rational don't want to send troops to the Ukraine right now. I think that that's bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in terms of like how the Russians, the Russian society um, is responding to this, it's pretty clear that, you know, the protest movement is growing. Yeah. Um, Over 5,000 people in yeah, jail so far. Yeah, you know, and so, and it's, and and now that the I think I read this morning that for the first time Russia uh, released the Russian state released figures on casualties yes. or, uh, on their side and they've have they're saying four hundred ninety eight which is grossly dead. yeah but even gross. so four hundred ninety eight that's a lot um, is in a week it's a lot um, is is quite a lot right you know that's that's um, 
you know, one third of all of Afghanistan, um, in a week. Um, so, so, you know, like for, for the American side, um, and, and so, you know, that's, it's going to hurt. Right. I mean, and, and that's, that's just deaths. We're not talking about injuries. We're not talking about captured. We're not, you know, not, you know, and if Russia is putting that number out there, it's pretty safe to bet. It's much, much, it's probably higher. It's probably higher. Um, and, and so, you know, this is the people are going to feel when they're at war. Um, the other thing that I thought was the most important thing that was said, actually, that Biden should really get a lot of credit for and we should be cheering him for and was kind of just passed over is that he mentioned that last October he helped engineer the deal with the uh, OECD, this Organization of uh, Economic and Developing States, um, uh, a global corporate minimum tax of 15%. Um, over 130 countries have signed it, including the G20 countries, mm-hmm. um, which means that you can't just offshore your profits and ev- evade taxation. Yep. So even Ireland, which has been you know a renowned tax haven, has signed on to it. Mm-hmm. Right um, now, there's some places like Sri Lanka and Pakistan who are now going to become the new tax havens because they didn't sign on to it. But the vast majority of the world's major economies have signed on to it. Which is huge because most huge global corporations are paying zero tax these days. So now they're going to pay 15% of their, of, of, of their proper taxes, yep. which is just going to be a windfall to pay for all the things that we need paying for. Right. Yep. Um, and he did a lot because he got America on board with that. Right. And that is going to be transformative. I think, I think yes. that, you know, when you were talking about where are you, where are you going to pay for this there, that's yeah. how you're going to pay for it. Right. Um, and that once you figure those things out, then you can get all these policies because you have the cash on hand to do it. Yes. So I think, you know, it's, it's the, fir- it's not the cart before the horse. He's got the horse now, right. And like, now you can, you know, drag all those social policies, hopefully over the line, cause you'll have the money to do it. So I thought that was like the, the biggest thing that I heard, um, in the whole, that and the, uh, that, and he's done a good job at like uniting the allies. I mean, Trump right. was horrible. Like they, he was a laughing stock. America had zero um, pull in, in on the world stage because he was a nutcase. And you're seeing that clearly Biden is respecting leadership of others, you know, Marcone, uh, uh, Yel- uh, uh, um, uh, the nutcase. Oh my God. What's his, what's it? Crazy British guy. Boris Johnson, Johnson, yeah, Macron and Johnson, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's at least letting them have a stage. They're, they're very much in control, like he is. It doesn't feel like this is an American-led offensive against Russia. It feels like it's it's Western, yeah. all the allies. Yeah, and that's I think a really good move on his part. Um, you know, Marcon went to talk to Macron. Um, it's Macron. Macron. Yeah. Went to you're turning him in Italian. Um, Macron. <laughs> uh, he went to Marconi. go. He went to go talk to Putin and failed. I mean, it's the attempt by many with the same result that gives validity to whatever we need to do. Obviously, what the reason the reason I also think we don't need to send troops and I'm I'm adamantly against it is when we went into Afghanistan and even Iraq for that matter, even though Iraq was bullshit. There were plenty of people there that hated the government in both. So you didn't, the unique position we had was 
there were plenty of people that were being oppressed by the regimes there that did see the Americans possibly as a sign of potential freedoms in the future. History would show them they're wrong, but, you know, it was a, a glimmer of hope. The U Ukraine is a literal democratically elected free society. Nobody in there wants a dictator. And this is going to play itself out. Russia, at some point, whether it's in five months or 15 years, is they're going to lose, right? Unfortunately, people are going to die. And I hate saying that. But you cannot take over a country. You can't hold a country like that in the long term. It's just not going to happen. So let them weaken themselves. We saw, we see the debt we're in from our 25-year wars. We see the damage is done. We've seen the morale. Like, no, I don't want to send our troops. Our troops are, are not even fully home yet. Like, we don't need to send them back out to fight Russia. Um, you know, for Christ's sakes, we didn't win in Afghanistan. Like, we don't need to take on Russia and possibly China. The part that scares me is I do think it sets a bad precedent to other nutcases out there that, okay, let's prepare economically for the sanctions, but now we can take over places. Um, I hope that doesn't happen. You know, no telling, but it does seem like this will be the test for all sides, right? If this really cripples them and somehow Putin's gone, I think people will think twice about taking over a completely free society thinking, yeah, we'll just bomb them and then we'll take it. Um, that That's what history will tell. But my suspicion is it's not going to end well for the Russian government. Yeah. I mean, there's that um, that line in The Princess Bride that the, the two things with Vincenny, um, who, who, when they're doing that whole, like, uh, well, he's like, you never mess with a Sicilian. Yeah. yeah he's like, yeah. yeah. Like the first thing is don't, you don't mess with the Sicilian when death is involved. Right. And then the other one is never start a land war in Asia. Right. <laughs> and then, so right. Messed up with, with, with one of the, the major ones. Um, so yeah, you know, it's the, the unity is actually startling actually you know it's insane uh, it's, it's inspiring it's, it's very fast coming um and i'm surprised because you know you're right what you were just saying is that that uh american power um or the american word right um in in europe was held in low regard for for for, for reasons you know that eventually we'll understand but we're not going to understand now because Trump was purposely trying to dismantle NATO, yeah. right? Um, or divide it or, you know, basically defang it. Um, and whether, you know, we're going to find out probably like 25 years from now, whether that was because of some sort of coordination with Russian, yeah, Russian action, um, or it was simply um, an idea that, you know, America first and we don't need to be backing um you know, European guaranteeing European yeah. security anymore yeah. for seventy years after World War Two, yeah. um, and now we're saying, "Thank yeah. God we are." Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we we will see. Like, I'm yeah. just saying, it looks it looks so far. Granted, you know, we can or so into this that like the Germans, this the Switzerland, France, England. It seems like Canada. If it's like. Okay, we're all we're 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 a gang again. <laughs> have, you, can you, have you seen the whole the whole Switzerland thing is hilarious, right? Like the Swiss yeah. are finally coming out of their neutrality, yeah. right? 
saying, no, no, we're going to stop this. Why? Because there was a huge report on Credit Suisse that has been laundering money for drug dealers and Russian oligarchs for the past 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> All of a oh, sudden, okay. they've peaceful, changed though. their tune. Yeah. Yes. Um, but anyway, um, we're going to keep on following this um, and, you know, we'll see what happens. But Ukraine. Um, it's brutal to watch. It's, it's insane to watch. to watch. I um, think, you know, there's some silver linings in all of this that, you know, if you if you felt if you felt really, uh, you know, down on America, even a month or two ago, like we're still very privileged. All the problems we have here, we're not getting invaded by anyone, nor will we. Uh, you know, our problems are within. It's like a dis very dysfunctional family that's got some real problems. But you know, you look at those people there and you're just like, it's helpless. You feel terrible. Um, and I don't know. It's just, it should be a reminder that take your voting rights here seriously from the local level, which is arguably more important than national mm -hmm. level. Uh, take take what people are going through seriously. Um, we're all allowed to have opinions here. We can criticize. We can have podcasts where we call whatever president you want a piece of shit or or worse and we get to go live our lives and that is something that by being american you don't there, there aren't these things that remind you of that because we're we're born into it um but what i've really taken in is like valuing what we were kind of gifted here and in parts of Europe. And it's not to be taken for granted, man. There's people over a million people that are literally running for their lives right now that have left their husbands and sons who are over 18 to stay and probably die. Um, so enjoy your day, enjoy your week. <laughs> um, and remember that it's not that bad here. You know, it's not that bad. You just have to deal with some white trash cousins. <laughs> That's a good ending. I, I like I that. So. I like that. All right. Imagine well, if Biden said that at the end of the speech. Oh my God. You got to deal with your white trash cousins. I, yeah. I think he'd get a lot of votes. I think he would too. <laughs> I think he would. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. Um, no Politics at the Dinner Table, as always, is produced by Ahmed Prakash with some tunes by G. Baderoy and a theme song by Alex Tepper. Um, please check out our website where we have every episode posted. You can see our newsletter, um, which is on Substack that Amit does a really great job with and um, some things we're reading and listening to. Um, it's all on there. We are we are pretty much off of all social media and we're going the old fashioned way, which is our digital store, <laughs> our right. digital mom and pop. <laughs> uh, just like our grandparents. Yeah, exactly. exactly. All right. We'll see you next week. See you next week.